0: Do you like my Elton John glasses, Tim Stewart?
1: Honestly, like I I hadn't taken particular notice. I feel like you've got a number of Let this, me show you. But I know I do like them.
0: These are just a sampling of the glasses that I have in my drawer.
1: Yeah. They're so more. like I each individual pair doesn't stand out. It's more the mosaic of all of them that This
0: is high stakes from Gerard, Phillips, Kate, and Hancock.
2: I'm David Schifrin. Buckle up. This is Kim Fox and Tim Stewart and me trying to figure out why people don't just take that extra little beat to think about how what they're about to say or not say is going to be received by the people hearing it. The end of the conversation comes just a little abruptly. We had a minor technical glitch right as we wrapped, but otherwise you are not going to want to miss this one. And of course, be sure to subscribe to all of our thinking at GerardInc.com forward slash pod. Okay. So this will be fun. The question is, why do people say dumb sh-?
1: I don't... Oh man, Schiffer's getting spicy. He said s- I, I noticed I got to sneak s*** sh- in there last time. Okay, so what was your prompt? My prompt, my prompt is that people
2: we keep seeing this i think we've seen this for millennia i feel like we've seen it a lot in the last couple of weeks people keep saying dumb stuff or or not saying important things which is sort of the uh, the same the same thing and then getting really defensive when they are called out so tim you sent me an article over the weekend with the the line very interesting which i thought it was and it was about the CDC essentially shelving inconclusive data about the value of masking kids in school so that it was easier to make a case that all kids should be masked in school. And I responded that this is this is pretty common in science, unfortunately, because negative results don't get published because this is a whole other podcast. It is what it is. It's really a bad decision when you're making public policy on the heels of a pandemic, like you've got to put the data out there. And then people get upset when people when they get called out, the FDA did this earlier this year with the new Alzheimer's drug, where they were essentially, it looks like pressured into approving something on on an accelerated timeline. They're being investigated for it. They're like, No, but but it could help. It's really no, don't worry about the data. Like, it's, it's okay. Why are people ridiculous enough to think that you can Fudge the information, and then still have the audacity, temerity—I don't know what the word is—to. Uh,
1: I don't. I don't know what temerity means. So. I don't.
2: I just—it popped in my head. I don't know if that's right at all. We'll have to ask Emmy. Sounded good. Um, it,
1: had, it had a nice rhythm to it.
2: Uh, why and why do people get defensive about it?
1: Uh, so that the CDC thing is interesting for a number of reasons. One being that like. Prior to 18 months ago, nobody cared what the CDC said about anything. Like this was, you know, maybe the AIDS crisis in the 80s. But otherwise, like the CDC went about its business, doing its work, whatever they did. Who knows? I'm sure they do. Um, over the last 18 months, they probably should have gotten accustomed at this point to over explaining things. And so, OK, the, this study that um, you and I are talking about masking um, schools, which is of um, – you know, particular relevance to me and you and other people with small children. They was, I guess, involved a study of ninety thousand children in Georgia, and assessing the risks and advantages of masking. You know, there's a bunch of interdependencies, a bunch of other things going on. Basically, they kind of held out of their council of three weeks ago or whatever that. You know, the data at this point is pretty inconclusive as to whether mass matter. And there's a ton of sort of emotional and social learning that goes on from the face. Like there, there are actual things to balance out here. There are actual risks. And what I thought was particularly interesting about this situation is it forces people like me – To then like go oh some of the dumbest people in the world like Clay Travis and whoever else are have fallen into being right on this like or have fallen into being close to right on this and so then how do I recalibrate because you know I have an entire worldview that is whatever Clay Travis says I agree with the opposite because he's a carnival barker and so I'm oriented that way and so that I think is the the one of the Key points of this CDC thing is like this science moves, we learn new things, but everyone has dug in on their side. And so, a week ago, legitimately a week ago, I was having a conversation with someone. I was like, you know, it's nice in my school district here, you know, they're not being crazy, they're doing math, they're doing all that. And then I read this thing over the weekend, I'm like, oh, well, does that? That should cause me to reconsider my point of view, but it is very hard to reconsider a point of view in 2021.
2: Down here in Williamson County, like 15 feet across the county line in Williamson County, not Davidson, but there, there have like violence has been suggested against medical professor, professionals who dare to suggest kids wear a mask. And so I'm I'm with you, Tim. It's really hard to now go uh, those. Morons who were threatening a nurse like, might have been right, not about what they were doing, but about their underlying point, point. and that's hard to get around. Kim, you look and then sad you know the same, the, same,
0: the same county, David is. You know, we have Phil Valentine, who's a conservative radio host, who was you know joking about COVID and joking about masking, who has passed away from this COVID. last weekend and, from COVID, and, and so how do you calibrate for that is what do his quote followers do next do they recalibrate do they rethink or or do they dig in i think you know, i think we're getting so many conflicting so much conflicting information and so much information that just makes us mad like for example this morning dr Fauci comes out and says we are likely to be out of this delta variant by the spring and i'm like no Way I don't understand why it is a good idea for him to come out and say that right now. What possible good could it do, other than to tick people off even more? It it may be right, but what possible good could it do? Is it forewarning us? Hey, by the way, you're, plan on staying home for Christmas again? I I mean I don't know what the point of that was or what possible good it could do.
2: It's it's leaning into the the persona of the emotionless data-driven scientist, which is like coming full circle around, like it's just the facts. It's what the data is telling us today without regard to the social and emotional consequences of what that data might be telling us.
1: But that's another example of some of someone who after 18 months should be able to contextualize things better. And so like for all of the, all of the scientific establishment, I think you know this is this has been your moment. Hopefully in the near future we can forget about you again. But for the last 18 months like this has been your turn in the spotlight and if you have not learned lessons at this point about how narrative works and how you know a country of 300 million people 350 million people I don't know I, I feel like that's an outdated statistic that I don't really know the the current <laughs> answer. Three hundred
2: and fifty minus six hundred
1: and twenty-five thousand. Oh God! Womp womp. That's true. Um, so, but to Kim's point, without context, it it may be the sober, reasonable view of the scientific establishment that the Delta variant will be traveling in some form or fashion, you know, through the spring at the same time, the same scientific establishment did not see the Delta variant coming three months ago or four months ago. I don't know when it first hit the UK, but you know, like it's a consistently evolving situation. So at this point, anyone, whether it's Dr. Fauci, who's a, you know, brilliant scientist and very significant in the the public health history of the United States or the CDC or anyone else talking about things as they relate to COVID six months out is total garbage. It's a fool's game. And we should know that by now.
2: And they, yes, because this is something that has bothered me for a long time because I consider myself one of them. I consider myself a scientist, although I haven't been in a lab in quite a few years now. You got the this paper. I've got the piece of paper. It's a large piece of paper. It is embossed uh, and it is framed, very expensively framed. I, I gave that to myself. I really get you exp- with
1: those diploma phrases. Dude, it's, it's brutal.
2: Racket. It's brutal. The scientific community loves to have its cake and eat it too, to be the the, the data driven, just the facts. This is what it is. And yet if you were to go to a scientific conference and watch the squabbling that happens in those talks and to see some of the older scientists whose ideas are being challenged and in some case not even ideas but simply terminology like a, a younger scientist has come up with a somewhat better more descriptive name for the exact same thing <laughs> there will be blood and so the idea of the emotionless dry scientist is as false as any other stereotype or any other persona that people want to bring like Scientists are human too. So why don't we as a scientific community just be that and say, we don't know what's going on. We are working as fast and as effectively and as carefully as we possibly can. And the data is going to change and it will change three times today. And if you want to understand how these experiments work and what we're doing, come talk to us. But yeah, here's what we're thinking might be happening six months out. But we don't really know because it turns out that nature and evolution is way quicker and smarter and better than us we're actually incredibly smart and we've done some amazing work that's why we have vaccines in 18 months but instead we have to maintain this this cover that this veneer of of just the data and that's why you also have things like last year when a lot of medical professionals and scientists and health policy folks very smart very data driven folks all of a sudden came out and said well the one exception to public gatherings right in the middle of a spike is for for protests. And that right. doesn't say anything about the value and the importance of what those protests were protesting, but to overnight come out and say, you cannot go anywhere, do anything, nothing at all within six feet of another human being. Oh, except for this other thing. Like that doesn't help anybody. And then they got so upset when people questioned them.
1: Well, and then well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's one example of the inconsistency. Another, you know, in a lot of cities was, you know, that we reopened, Restaurants and bars ahead of everything else because yes, you, know, you wanted to keep the economy going. It's like well, you know, when you're sitting down, obviously you can't get COVID. Like that's that's the sort of like carve out that we've got. It's like if you're walking through the restaurant, you got to wear the mask. But if you're sitting and eating, everyone knows that's not where the COVID is. But we just you know we just COVID's like heat; stores.
0: it it rises, right? right. COVID <laughs> rises to the ceiling, isn't that <laughs> what got, happens? That's my guess. Close
1: to the ground with a small group.
0: Another thing is I don't necessarily think we're always doing dumb things or saying dumb things. And this may, may sort of be off topic a little bit, but a client that I've been working with, and we're working with a lot of clients right now on how to communicate about vaccine mandates, right? How how to, how to communicate with your employees, your colleagues about what we're doing about that. And in this particular case, this is a, a client in New York. They had a plan and their plan was to mostly mandate, but those that were not going to get the vaccine, we're going to make it pretty uncomfortable for you to be unvaccinated, right? So you're going to have to get tested three times a week. You're going to have to wear N95s at all times and and other restrictions. Well, they had communicated this. They felt good about it. They had done a good job. And then two days later, the governor who I thought had already resigned and didn't realize he was still the governor, but he came out and said, all right, we're going to mandate this for all healthcare workers. And so they had to put an immediate halt on what they had just communicated and said, well, wait a minute, the governor's done this. We have no idea what that means because we've gotten no guidance from the Department of Health. We don't know what this means. Does this mean nurses? Does this mean everybody? So we're putting a halt on everything until we figure out what that means. And so now they're up in the air. So what what do healthcare organizations do then? Just sit around for another two or three weeks waiting for the Department of Health to come out with whatever they need to come out with? Uh, and will that stand now that there's a new governor? It's just the confusion around everything. People are doing the sometimes doing the best they can with the information they have at the moment. And then, you know, 24 hours later, it blows
2: up. So maybe it's not saying or doing dumb stuff. Sometimes it is. Or not saying or doing important things. But maybe it's not thinking through the consequences of what you're about to say or not say. I mean, I yeah. Because to be fair, I don't think anybody's coming through this. Mm, I shouldn't say that. Very few people are doing this and are, are intentionally misleading. They're just trying to make a point and they're doing it poorly. There are some people who are tr- intentionally misleading because it gets them clicks. But putting talked that aside, about right. Travis earlier. Yeah, we've we've yeah we've uh, <laughs> we've marked that territory. And maybe yeah, that's so m-
0: it maybe we just are most people are doing the best they can with the information they have at the moment and people are saying are saying things without thinking through what that means like thinking through if i say this then this is what people will feel or do or say uh, you know i love your point tim about 2 years ago no one cared what the cdc had to say occasionally you know something on smoking or whatever But now, and and we would make the occasional reference of you know if if you have questions about that, go to the CDC website. But we really didn't mean that. We didn't even check to see what the CDC website even said before we said that. But now it has it has severe consequences. We have held them up as the end all be all, the knowledge, the fount of knowledge for all of this during COVID. I'm not sure they were ready for it, and you'd think they would be ready now. But it's they still it's just this constant barrage of confusing and conflicting information what are you supposed to do with that except for go with what you personally believe or the last person you talk to i don't know i i, I don't know yeah like and i think that that's count I, on
1: i think the where you landed there is right on sort of there there are there's exculpatory things for the cdc to some extent not used to this moment they're not used to as much attention they should be 18 months in but they aren't um but then you also have groups who should be used to this kind of attention. Um, you know, the American Hospital Association is in the news or well, they weren't in the news. Hospitals were on the price transparency thing. There was a big sort of really well-reported data dump and a series of articles in the New York Times about price transparency, the ineffectiveness of the rollout of the price transparency rule, how a lot of hospitals aren't. How a lot of hospitals are not in compliance with the rule, and a lot of really sort of irritating things to any consumer of health care, which they did very well, which would be like, hey, a knee replacement if you have Cigna is $1,000, and if you have Blue Cross, it's $400,000. And why is that? And so, into the fray, our friends at the American Hospital Association have a quote in reference to the price transparency rule and w- where you're supposed to be posting your prices on um, your website in a machine learning format. Some are doing it in Excel, others are doing it other ways. So the quote is, learning, How about, human learning
0: in, h- how about what, what happened to like human learning environment rather than a machine reading? Read, I, I don't even get that.
1: It's a so great point, Kim. I mean, like it. if you what about have people? to do it,
0: what about you have to do it in machine learning.
1: Prices. I think you may have diagnosed the first problem here. Um, But I want to get this quote right. The the American Hospital Association in the New York Times. um, I'm going to read it to you. I want to make sure we get it accurately and fairly to them. Uh, It says that these rate sheets are not helpful to anyone. It's really hard to say that when a lot of hospitals are putting in a lot of effort to comply with the rule. But I would set them aside and avoid them. So this is a crafted quote. The New York Times reached out and said, hey, so prices are still really messed up. And what we can see of them from the small group of your hospitals that are reporting them accurately makes us even more confused and has economists stumped. So what say you, and we work in this industry, we all know about sort of bridging and blocking and all of that, but there's no solution here. So price transparency is a real thing that is really important to a lot of people and also is mind boggling to a lot of people why this industry works this way in a way that is totally unique from everyone's experience of every other market. And so- the, health, the American Hospital Association's response to that is not, hey, this rule wasn't very good and the way it's being implemented is kind of like sketchy. We're having a hard time like complying with whatever, but you know, we're trying, And but we have a better way. We understand that the American consumer needs greater price transparency and our hospitals are working to find a better way than the, than the ham-handed one thrown down by the federal government. No, they don't say that. They just say, we shouldn't do this. Don't look at it. Well, I just as long, think as long like, as a
0: machine can read it, we are in good shape.
1: <laughs> there's so much of this. And at some point, and everyone here has heard me say this a million times, but at some point, the 350 million people who live here are going to say, if it's so complicated, then maybe we'll take responsibility away from you. Maybe we'll just find a different model. Because if this is so hard for you all to communicate to us and to figure out how much it'll cost, if I need to get stitches in my arm, then maybe we'll find someone who can do it a lot simpler. Maybe not as well, maybe not as efficiently, but at least they'll be able to explain. So
0: I feel like we shouldn't end on a downer.
1: (laughs) Every episode ends on a downer. It starts as a downer, it's a downer in the middle, and then it's a downer at the end.
0: Well, because like everybody, that's where everybody is living right now. Can we be uplifting in some way? Can we figure out, can we talk about maybe a thing or two we've all done really well during this time?
2: Yes, I think, and, and this is a point I was thinking about earlier, so I'll shoehorn it in here. For our friends and our clients and a lot of good, hardworking folks, they have stepped in, sometimes probably pushed their way in. To, as we say, have a seat at the table and have said, what what are the consequences of this thing that we're talking about? And I think that is the opportunity, right, for Mm -hmm. really good, thoughtful communications, marketing, clinic, like anybody. It doesn't have to be in in marketing and comms, but it should especially be the people who are trained in how to communicate with other human beings is go in and just like raise your hand and say, how are people going to receive this? And we've seen some really good examples of that. We've seen some hospitals do some great work with community outreach and say, we don't know what's going on either, but we're here and here's how we're doing it. And here's how you can, how we can be in this together.
0: I do, I do think, you know, our hospital clients have come to this with such a big heart in, in most cases. I mean, what the conversations that I'm having now are, this feels so much heavier than even it did before because we thought we were getting out of this right we could see that we were getting out of this and all of a sudden we're not and it's worse in some cases than it ever has been and the questions I get every day how can we help our people they are in not in a good place how can I help them it's just, just this is struggling of our nurses are tired they're exhausted they're angry how do we help them and I don't know that there's an answer but i appreciate that they're asking the question because they see they see what's happening and they're feeling it themselves
2: all right thanks y'all see ya so on